terms on the count of three that you will win. One, two, three. Twenty five percent. If it were further, I would worry about the two of you. <laughs> but I guess if it were exactly <laughs> the same, Angela I would worry. would be higher. <laughs> Just because she's <laughs> that kind of optimistic more delusional. person. Mm. I am. She's more optimistic than I am. She's brought me up. I thought it was lower for a while, but I've hung out with her enough that I'm now at 25%. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. If this grant weren't available, would you two still be trying to do some version of this collaboration? Absolutely. And we, we will. In fact, we are. Right. I mean, we're we're working on it. I I think it was only a day or two after we turned in our proposal in late August of 2016, before we actually just started getting to work and fundraising, talking to these scientists about their best ideas for enduring behavior change, and and also talking to our organizational partners. And whether or not we're picked for the $100 million grant, we've now built this momentum around this group. And I truly think that that is the hardest thing, not even... Funding it. Funding it will be easy compared to getting this incredible group of people and organizations together and moving in this direction. Since Milkman and Duckworth have already gone to so much trouble, and since they're so ambitious and enthusiastic, we thought it makes sense for Freakonomics Radio to chronicle their journey, whether or not they win the $100 million grant. So today, the first installment of Making Behavior Change Stick and we'll check in with them periodically over the coming months or years. After all, we, like they, have long been interested in the science of behavior change. And now that they're rolling up all the small, known victories into one potentially giant leap for humankind, well, what kind of show would we be if we didn't want to go on that ride? From WNYC Studios, this is Freakonomics Radio, the podcast that explores the hidden side of everything. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. As most of us know from personal experience, changing even your own behavior can be really hard, whether it's how you take care of your mind and body or your physical environment, how you work or interact with other people, you name it. Even when you do make a change, it can be hard to make it stick. And what if you're trying to change other people's behavior? Over the past few decades, a lot of brain power has been spent trying to develop a science of behavior change. And there has been a lot of success, but these successes are often tightly circumscribed for several reasons. One is that a lot of the experimental research has been conducted by academics who use college students as their subjects. So the sample size is often small and also not very representative this is called the WEIRD problem, WEIRD standing for subjects who are Western, educated, and from countries that are industrialized, rich, and democratic. WEIRD. Then there's the fact that a lot of experimental research is too artificial, too unlike the real world. Also, too context-dependent and too low stakes. How much stock do you really want to put in the decision made by a college student in a one-time transaction in a classroom lab where the reward is some free pizza. Another problem with incentivizing behavior change is that incentives wear off. On day one, you might happily choose to eat kale instead of french fries for a $2 reward. By day 10, you might be willing to pay $2, maybe $20 for some french fries. And there's at least one more big problem with designing incentives to change other people's behavior. 
The people who are typically in charge of the design are fairly accomplished people. Accomplished people tend to be disciplined and driven and cooperative. So the incentives they design may, in their minds, be perfectly logical, but the rest of humanity may not be as disciplined and driven and cooperative as them. So even if you can find the right levers to press, to produce behavior change in the right measure, in the right circumstances, how can you generalize that and scale it up from the individual to the population level? And how can you make it stick? That is the massive challenge that Angela Duckworth and Katie Milkman have given themselves. So massive that they wanted lots of help. Thinking on this scope and magnitude, it was easy for us to start making phone calls to people we would normally be, I think, maybe a little bit too shy to pester with our ideas. So we started sending emails to all of our academic heroes. And because of the scope, because of the...